Thank you. First Peter 2, beginning in verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. May God add his understanding to the reading of his word together. You may be seated. So we continue this morning to consider the hallmarks of a healthy church. I want to focus on this scripture that we just read in 1 Peter. But I want to say to you that its wording is also found in Old Testament texts. It seems to me that when you see something in the Bible that is repeated a couple of times, we should pay attention. Okay? <laughs> this powerful scripture wording, I would like to think of as the believer's position in Christ. The believer's position in Christ. And therefore, it is the building cornerstone of the church, the body of Christ. We are a privileged, blessed people. Have you ever considered who you are in Christ? We sang the lyric a few moments ago, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. We are truly a blessed people. I want to call your attention to the Old Testament passage that Peter quotes here. We find that the children of Israel who had been delivered from slavery in Egypt, they had crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground, and they now have come to Mount Sinai. Reading from Exodus 19, beginning in verse 3. Exodus 19 and 3. Then Moses went up to God. Man, I could preach a while here. I'm not going to. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do 
everything the Lord has said. Just for fun, would you read that with me? We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Friends, there was an agreement here, a covenant between the people and God through their leader Moses. But, but more than the people agreeing to what God had spoken, in other words, more than just the people agreeing with God, God had expressed his love for them in this passage. The people expressed their agreement and their obedience, but God expressed his love for the people in four ways in this passage. One, he said, I carried you and brought you to myself. Now, you may think that God delivered Israel from the Egyptians to get them out of there and toward the promised land. God says, I rescued you. I carried you on eagle's wings to bring you to myself. To bring you to myself. Secondly, you will be my treasured possession. You will be my treasured possession. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take ownership of who you are as a nation. Third, you will be a kingdom of priests. We're going to study that in a few minutes. And fourth, you will be a holy nation. You see, not just did the people agree with God and declare their obedience, but he expressed in these four ways his love for his people. Wow. Wow. Do you hear the echo of Peter's words in this, in this text? We read the first Peter passage, now we read this passage, and we hear some of the very same wording. Note that God is saying this about the people that he redeemed. I said, note that God is saying this, these four things, about the people that he had rescued, about the people that he had redeemed, about the people that he had delivered. God called out, God identified, God rescued, God redeemed and took personal ownership of this people group. He is talking here about his peeps. <laughs> and so the Apostle Peter, in his first letter to the church, chapter 2, echoes these words in Exodus. We find that looking at the two letters that Peter wrote, they were kind of general letters to the church around the world. By the way, Peter's kind of my favorite gospel preacher. Peter's sermons are powerful. They're not as frequent as some of the others, such as Paul, but Peter's sermons are powerful. So Peter writes, and, in, and, and I want to do something I don't normally do, and that is I want to look at our text this morning that we read in reverse order. I want to flip it around. I want to study and unpack verse 10 before we study and unpack verse 9. Teachers, are you okay with that? I, I know, 
I, you know, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do number ten before we do number nine. Verse ten. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now. Somebody say, but now. But now you have received mercy. You see, at one time, the children of Israel could not be called a people. The word people here from the Greek is laos, found in the Bible 140 times. This word is used a lot. It is defined as persons that are linked together in a common bond, and more specifically, as we work through the Bible, it refers to Israel in the Old Testament and Christians, the church, in the New Testament. Laos, people. Once, we, Christians, were not a people. Once in your life, at one time in your life, you were not a Christian. Once you were not. Once we, the church, were not a people. <laughs> you were not connected to God or each other at one time in your life. You, you were not identified as a called out race or the possession of God. Friend, at one time we were not redeemed. We were not rescued. We were not delivered. But the text says, but now. But now. Because of God's mercy and grace bestowed unto us by the sending of His Son, Jesus, but now. Because of God's mercy and grace, we are the children of God. Amen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am, who the Son set free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. We are a people, the church, the ecclesia that we've been studying for a couple of weeks. And at, at, at one time, we could not be defined as a people, but look what happened. The last part of verse 10. Once you had not received mercy, but now, say but now, there it is again, but now you have received mercy. Hallelujah. We are a people because we have received the mercy of Christ. We are born into the family. Now, understand that Peter is writing to the young, early church. Peter is writing to the church that, in, in, in essence, was, was birthed in the, in the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. You remember when they were gathered together and the, and the, and the Holy Spirit came in that day, 3,000 or more, we believe, God added to the church. God added to the church. Say, God added. See, those that he added once had not received mercy, but now they have received mercy. He's writing to the early church, and he's saying once, we were, we, he's saying we were lost. 
Once we were not a people, but now. But now we are the children of God. We are the people, the church. At one time we could not be defined that way. That's a powerful verse of scripture, folks. Have you received the mercy of God in your life? Have you said yes to his forgiveness? Are you under the umbrella of God's mercy? I trust you are. Now go back up to verse 9. Now that I'm done, teachers, we're going to go backwards. Back up to verse 9. And Peter gives us this beautiful, vivid description of those who have received mercy, those who have become a people. Peter's going to say, and here's who you are now. Here's who you are now. Listen. The overreaching hallmark of a healthy church is this fact. We have been bought with a price and have become a people by the mercy of God, by the grace of God. We talked about the word of God being God-breathed. You remember? We got tired of saying God-breathed. Well, you got tired of me saying God-breathed. The church is God-formed. The church, the body of Christ, because we have received mercy, because we have become a people, because Christ has shed his blood and, and paid the price to buy the church his bride, we are God-formed. God-formed. What a starting place to consider being a healthy body of people. <laughs> I think we can be confident that we are a, that we are a body, a, a formed body, a God-formed body because He initiated it, He chose it, He put us together, and I believe assembled us as a body. We've talked about that. God brings people together for purpose. Why can we be confident? Because we are God-formed. Echoing the description that God gave of his people in Exodus, Peter writes on, verse 9, number one, point one, you are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. Who made the choice? God made the choice. Listen. By the sending of his son Jesus, he chose, somebody say chose. He chose to redeem us. He chose, say chose. He chose to deliver us. He chose to free us from sin. By the sending of his son Jesus, he chose to save us. And then he chose to knit us together, and he calls us his people. It's great to be chosen, isn't it? <laughs> it's great to be chosen. 
entertainer Garrison Keeler. Any of you listen to Garrison? Ron, Ron and I used to sit around the radio. I, does this uh, qualify as a rabbit trail? It, 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 it may, it may, but back in the day, we found out about a radio show called The News from Lake Wobegon. And uh, uh, Rhonda grew up in Lake Wobegon. Not actually, not actually. But her town, if you've listened to Garrison Keeler, her town has all the hallmarks of Lake Wobegon, Minnesota, which is the fictional town that Garrison Keeler would tell stories about in, on his radio show. And, and in the early days of our marriage, we would sit around the radio and listen to Amen, Steve. <laughs> and listen to, and listen to. We did have a TV. We did have a TV, but we sat around the radio. We shared the room, by the way. Uh, Garrison, Garrison Keeler writes this: The team captains of the ball team are down to their last grudging choices. A slow kid for catcher. Someone to stick out in right field where nobody hits it. They chose the last ones two at a time, you and you, because it doesn't make any difference at that point. <laughs> the remaining kids, the scrubs, the excess, they deal with the rest of us as handicaps. And they say, if I take him, you got to take him. Sometimes, Garrison writes, I would go as high as sixth, but usually lower. But just once, I'd like Daryl to pick me first and say, him, I want him. The skinny kid with the glasses and the black shoes. You, come on. But I've never been chosen with that much enthusiasm, Garrison writes. Did you ever think about the fact that you are so valuable to God that he chose you early on? He chose you early on with enthusiasm. Ephesians 1.4 says, For he chose us in him, say in him, in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Jesus said in John 15 to his followers, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide and that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you, friends. We are a chosen people. How do you feel? How do you feel about being chosen? By, by God, the very God of creation, he chose you, friend. Hallelujah. Whew. Secondly, you are a royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. I love this phrase. In Christ, in the grace of Christ, in the power of Christ, in the Holy Spirit that he gave us, we are royalty. We are royalty kings. Jesus said, all authority, somebody say all authority, all authority is given to you. We are members, friends, of the kingdom of God. Luke 9, 1. 
Luke 9, 1, when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim what? To proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Friends, we are royalty. It also says we are a priesthood. We are a priesthood. What is a priest? What is a priest? A priest, by definition, is one who stands between man and God. An intermediary. The messenger of God down to man, and a messenger from man to God with the prayers and petitions of men. That's the position of priesthood. In the Old Testament, before Christ came, it was necessary to have a human high priest in Israel. You remember that? The nation of Israel had a high priest to follow the laws of God in worship, to take the prayers and petitions and pleas for forgiveness of sin to God and to proclaim the word of God to the people. The high priest of Israel. The first human high priest was chosen by God. Say chosen. And his name was Aaron. He and his sons served the Lord and the people at the tabernacle and the temple. They were in the position of the priesthood. They were in a position between the people and God to communicate with God and to communicate from God. That is the position of priesthood. I want to remind you, Peter just said, you are a royal priesthood. But now we find that the Apostle Peter is teaching that the church is a royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, the religious leadership and the political leadership were separate. There was a king and there was a priest. There was a king and there was a priest. We read throughout the history of Israel about the interaction of the kings in, in Israel and Judah the interaction of the kings with the priests and the prophets of those generations. We find the kings communicating, sometimes asking for wisdom, sometimes giving prayer requests, sometimes wanting to settle them down, wanting to put them in the back of the society. But praise be to God. Praise be to God. Now, however, the two have become one. Huh? Now think with me. He said, Peter said, we are what? We are a royal priesthood. We are a royal priesthood. We are kings with a priestly duty to proclaim the good news of the gospel to a fallen world. And the flip side is, we are priests with the authority of the king of kings. I get excited about this stuff. Listen. Listen. God's people, the church that he has chosen, 
has the life-giving authority of royal priesthood. We can do what God has called us to do. Not all of you are convinced. To stand in the gap between heaven and earth on behalf of a lost world and bring them redemption, bring them deliverance, bring the world salvation. Go out gospeling, Steve. We are a royal priesthood. So, so listen, the church has been positioned between a lost and dying world and a gracious and loving God. I want you to think about the fact that we, the church, are in that position. Royal priesthood. Number three, you are a holy nation. Peter describes the church as a holy nation. The literal definition of holy is set apart. Somebody say set apart. God's church is not just another organization with a shingle hanging in front of the building. God's church is set apart. Set apart. God's redeemed kids are set apart to serve him. We talked in the first message on the hallmarks of a healthy church about the entrance into the church. There's only one way to enter the church. It's through believing that Jesus is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead and the Bible says that you shall be saved. The entrance into the church, listen, the entrance into the church and therefore the standing of holiness before a holy God only happens through belief in the Son, His grace and mercy poured out on your life. That's the only way it happens. It's the only way you get in. God says we are a holy people, a holy nation. Holiness is the lifestyle, listen, holiness is the lifestyle of service to God. You may have thought holiness is something else. But I'm here to tell you that holiness, listen, all the study I've done on set apart and, 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 and these ideas, here's the idea. I am totally set apart to serve God. It's what I exist for. It's what I focus for. It's what I breathe for. It's what I speak for. It's what I work for. Holiness is what God has called me to. I'm set apart for him. Somebody say for him. For him. Holiness is the lifestyle of service to the Father. Folks have made a lot of things of the word holiness through the years. I want to say to you that the true, holy, set-apart kingdom of priests church is completely dedicated to serve the Lord Jesus. Somebody say completely dedicated. That's holiness, friend. 
If you're completely dedicated to serving the Lord, the other stuff that we've described as holy through the years, and I don't mean to step on any toes this morning. You might want to slide your feet under, the, under your chair there a moment. <laughs> Holiness is the set-apart church totally dedicated for His service. The church is a people that is without spot or blemish. Why? Because of the washing of the blood of Jesus in our lives. The church is made up of people who have been redeemed, saved, delivered, transformed, and called by God unto service, totally dedicated, completely focused service unto Him. Do you live your life that way every day, I ask you? Then you're walking in holiness. Because holiness has set you apart to serve Him. Note I didn't say perfect people. <laughs> I didn't say perfect people. We learned that in our transformation study, didn't we? <laughs> we are all work in progress. But make no mistake... If you are a blood-washed believer in the Lord Jesus, you have been set apart and God sees you as holy. Amen. Under the blood of Jesus. And entered into the service of Jesus through the church, you are holy. Amen. No other organization. No other nation. No other company or people group have been called out to the mission that God has set forth for the earth. No other group that, that, that is the spreading of the gospel of truth and his mercy and love. The church is set apart unlike any other organization to fulfill what God has intended for in the earth. Now think about that one a minute. As good as some of these charitable organizations are, we the church, say we the church, we the church have been called to do God's work on the earth and no one else has. We talked about the salt pile a couple of weeks ago, remember? Jesus said you are salt and light. You need to be salt and you need to be light. We talked about the salt pile. Friends, the church has the full supply of salt and light. And we are set apart for the task. Holy. No other organization. The church is set apart. You are a holy nation. You all right? Fourth. You are God's special possession. My heart just went pitter pat. You are God's special possession. I only want to say to you on this point how much God loves the people that make up the church. I hope you don't doubt that for a minute any day of your life, but I know that you do sometimes. 
We are God's special possession. And I trust that by the method of entry that we talked about a few minutes ago, you find yourself among that special possession. God owns you. Not in a negative taskmaster kind of ruling way. You are, <laughs> you are so precious to him. We are his special possession. King James calls us a peculiar people. We are his special possession. He, 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 the, some of the wording is the idea of a peculiar people. Some of us are more peculiar than others. <laughs> we're, so we're called out and we're holy, but, but there's this idea of God's loving special possession. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, you are not your own, you are bought with a price. And friends, that price, that high price has been totally paid. You are treasured, friend. You are treasured by God. You are loved. And you are owned by God. He, you are his special possession like a, like a family heirloom in a, in a beautiful box that sits on the mantle. Some of us are old enough to have some treasured possessions. Some of us have some things maybe that our parents had, that our grandparents had, and you know how special those things are to us. But I've got to tell you that God treasures you and I and the church way beyond what we can imagine. My grandpa was a butcher. He had a little butcher shop in our hometown. On Fridays and Saturdays, I'm told, that grandpa drove around the community in his Ford panel truck with the wood on the sides. And it, it said on the door, Gladfelder's Meat Market. That was my grandfather's name. They called him Gladdy. Gladdy had a big bicep on the left arm. The reason he did was because he drove around town on Fridays and Saturdays with his arm hanging out of the open window of his panel truck ringing a bell. And you could hear the bell in town as Gladys driving around town and you could go out and get your fresh cut of meat, whatever you liked that Gladys had prepared. My mom has that bell on her mantle. Treasured. Somebody say treasured possession. You can imagine how special that is to my mom and other members of the family. I think you're treasured a million times more by God our Father. We are a treasured possession a peculiar people. It's true. Number five. So, so if that describes the church, what then is the church called to? 
What then is the task? What is the mission? See, there is, number five, we are called to glorify God with our lives. There is purpose and mission to the set-apart kingdom of priests. The church exists to give God glory. <laughs> I, I read that and I think, that's kind of oversimplified. But it really isn't. The church exists to give God glory. It is to be, the, uh, it is to be a light in a dark world. He called us out of darkness, say out of darkness, out of darkness into his marvelous light of love and grace to lead others into that light. And that gives God glory. We are called. So we are chosen, we are set apart, and we are called to a couple of things. We are called to praise him in worship. The lifestyle of a believer, the lifestyle of a grateful person that has been redeemed and cleansed by the blood of Christ is a lifestyle of praise and thanksgiving and worship. Gosh, there would be the possibility right here of a diatribe on worship again. But I'm not going to do that to you once again. <laughs> Worship doesn't just happen on Sunday morning. Secondly, to seek him in prayer. We're called to, we're called to praise him in worship. We're called to seek him in prayer, aren't we? We're, we're called to serve him as his hands and feet in the world. We're called to proclaim to a dying, lost world the good news of the gospel. This chosen, called out, separated, empowered people are called to proclaim the gospel to a dying world. That's the mission. So, so the, the hallmarks of a healthy church are very much this description, especially this royal priesthood thing. A healthy church is on mission because you're set apart and you're called and you're totally dedicated, set apart to serve God. The overarching hallmark of how and why a church can be healthy is because God formed, formed it, initiated the church. God loves the church. God empowers the church. And he is there for the church faithfully forever. But you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him 
who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now, <laughs> but now you have received mercy. What's the hallmark of the healthy church? We can speak widely as the church in our world. We can speak narrowly of the church on Church Street in Mason, Ohio. We're not just another sign, another shingle on a building. We are a called out group of people that God has mission for. That God has intention for. That God has purpose for. I made a couple of statements at the end here, Mike, that I think I put on the last slide. The believer priest is accountable for his relationship with God. Yeah. Huh? Secondly, the believer priest is responsible for the release of blessings to the church, the body of Christ. I'm not even going to comment on these. I'm just going to go through them. Third, the believer priest is the agent of redemption to the lost world. Is the agent of redemption to the lost world. And fourth, the believer priest lives a lifestyle that reflects God's glory that reflects God's glory. Hallmarks of a healthy church. Not, not some set of rules and regulations. Not a humanly contrived program of church growth or anything like that. A healthy church is a chosen, called out, group of people whose intention and purpose and mission is to glorify God, is to give him glory. You all right? Amen. Amen. As we grow together in the Lord, as we are individually transformed, it's like a, it's like a power plant that, that stores up useful energy. I want you to think of each of you as contributing to the useful energy to then accomplish the mission that God has called us to. Over the next months, I, with the help of the trustees, will be giving consideration to what does that vision and mission look like? Taking that overarching principle and saying, how does that whittle down to putting Jesus' sandals on?
and two, being his hands and his feet. One of the steps toward that is being the hands and feet into our community. And the sign for VBS is going to go in the front of the building this afternoon. And, uh, and we do things like that, but I got to believe that because God has knit this group of people together, that there is particular mission, particular vision for how we are to serve our community, how we are to reach out, how we are to support missions, things along that line. Pray for us as we, as we look into those things in the upcoming months. I want to be part of a healthy church. And I think we already are in very many respects. But there's always that reaching forward for what God has. And there's always what happens as transformation occurs in us. I want to say to you that if God says a word to you, about our ministry together. My door is open. My email address is out there. I'll give you my cell phone number. I want to hear what God speaks to you. I don't want to hear, might have to hide behind a pulpit after this, I don't want to hear what you like in church. I love you. I love our time together. I want to hear what God speaks to you as you are transformed by his spirit and his word as to what we are to be about. That's what I want to hear. I love you all, but I don't want to hear what you like in church. Sorry. I want to find out what God has for us because we're chosen we're called out we're set apart to give him glory amen? amen father thank you for your word thank you Lord that you have chosen to send your son so that we might be a people you have chosen to send your son so that we might have mercy even when we were sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were not a people, you were bringing mercy so that we could be a people. Thank you, Lord, for the church, the body of Christ here at Faith Christian Fellowship. But thank you, Lord, for the church, the body of Christ in Mason, in Butler, in Claremont County, in Hamilton County in Ohio. Thank you, Lord, for the church, the body of Christ in the Midwest. Thank you, Lord, for the church, the body of Christ around our nation. And I pray particularly that you would help us to be salt and light into a nation that desperately needs your truth. Help us, Father, as, as the called out ones, as the chosen ones, as the missional ones, 
to effectively be salt and light in our world. And we'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.